Welcome to the Georgia Fintech Academy podcast. The Georgia Fintech Academy is a collaboration between Georgia's fintech industry and the University System of Georgia. This talent development initiative addresses a massive demand for fintech professionals and gives learners the specialized education experiences needed to enter the fintech sector. Hi, everybody. Sector. This is Tommy Marshall, the executive director of the Georgia Fintech Academy. Welcome to season three, episode seven of the Georgia Fintech Academy podcast. We have, a, I think, a really interesting conversation lined up for today. We have Oliver Burns with us. Uh, the head of strategic strategic partnerships at FIS Global, um, our investing founding partner of the Georgia FinTech Academy, along with Astrid Cuellar Benitez of Kennesaw State University. She's a finance major. We're working hard to get her to be a FinTech minor and uh, a junior at Kennesaw State. Wonderful to have you both. Thanks for being here. That's uh, my pleasure. Happy to be with you. Yes, happy yeah. <laughs> so Oliver, uh, so we want to get to know both of you better. So let's spend uh, just a little bit of time here before we dig into our conversation all around introductions. So uh, Oliver, if you don't mind starting, and our student audience loves, 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 loves to hear these career fintech career journey stories. And um, as I've gotten to know you a little bit better over the last um, six months, year or so, um, I know you've got a great one to tell. So um, tell us about yourself and um, how you got to be in the role you are in today. I'd be happy to. So I'd start with, uh, I live in Atlanta, Georgia and uh, have three kids, two dogs, and uh, my wife, Carol. Uh, Astrid, I actually have a daughter who is a senior at KSU, so uh, you may have actually passed by each other on campus. <laughs> uh, we'll talk about that later, maybe. Uh, so, so, Tommy, I've been in and around fintech and, and, and admittedly began in the sector before fintech was probably a term. So I started my career in financial technology with Total System in 1996 in Columbus, Georgia. And uh, to tell you a little bit about the origin of that, uh, I had just graduated undergrad and uh, I spent a bit of time interning for a congressman uh, out of uh, their office in, in Columbus, Georgia. And I was spending a bit of time thinking about what I wanted to do next. I was uh, considering going to law school, went through the LSAT, that whole exercise. And I wasn't entirely committed to the notion at, at, the, at that moment in my life of, of, of taking that career track. I had a, a really uh, close friend of the family and I would say almost like a, a surrogate grandfather stroke mentor uh, that owned uh, for a, a good stretch of time a, a, a regional um, kind of like a community financial institution and had branches throughout the area where I grew up. Well, they had they had um, become part of Sonova's financial quarter. And yeah. so I had a chance to, to talk with him one day about what I was going to be when I grew up. And he said, with your background, your interest, he, he took me through uh, things that excited me, things that I had ambitions for in the future. And he said, well, you may want to look at, you may want to consider talking to Synovus or CBNT or Total System. 
um, since you're in the market. It's uh, they're amazing companies. They're growing. Uh, they're right at this intersection of banking and financial services and technology, and uh, it's it's really exciting. And so. I took his advice. Uh, I began looking at uh, the job boards for Total System. Uh, at that time, they weren't quite as elegant and as simple as it is today. Uh, but I went through that that process and uh, was very fortunate to join Total System in the spring of 1996 as a, a program manager. And uh, what that meant was I worked with financial institutions, with processors, with acquirers on helping them uh, implement payment platforms. I didn't understand anything about it when I started. And so one of the things, Astrid, I would say to you and uh, to our listeners today is ask questions, ask questions, ask questions, ask questions. Um, my parents um, just for a little bit of backdrop, we're both teachers. And so one of the things that I've learned to appreciate in my career track uh, over time is the importance of developing expertise, developing depth, and, and, and giving yourself the opportunities and the moments to learn. And so uh, Total System was excellent with that. And, and so I was with Total System for uh, a, a few years. Uh, after Total System, I had an opportunity to move to a financial institution, uh, at the time First Horizon National. Uh, they had a very focused uh, payments business uh, that had vertical expertise, and I had had a chance to work with them a bit on some projects when I was at Total System. And uh, it was a really nice, uh, at that moment in my life, career move, career opportunity. Um, my wife and I actually moved from Columbus, Georgia to Denver, Colorado, and uh, that was the location of the headquarters for their acquiring payments business. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I joined there, a lot of the expertise I built a total system around platforms and systems, authorizations, clearing, settlement, billing, interchange, some fairly deep, chunky topics I was able to bring with to First Horizon and, and bring that to life and, and to put it to use on behalf of customers and partners. And uh, that was a, a wonderful experience. I would, I would say something that's also noteworthy is I had an amazing mentor and boss uh, at First Horizon. Her name was Vicki Nation. And one of the things I, I want to call her out purposefully by name, uh, because she gave me opportunities to do things and to learn and to grow and to stretch myself. And I'd say probably a fairly young age, um, more than I thought might happen. And so she had a lot of trust and confidence in me. And she also gave me a space where uh, I could learn. And if I made mistakes, she had my back. And so that uh, when I look at where I am today versus other alternatives, uh, she is a, a huge factor in that. Uh, I was with First Horizon for about four years, um, then had an opportunity to go to Visa. This was also in uh, the Denver metropolitan area. And I took my experiences in those two companies and wrapped them together to lead uh, program management, customer implementations uh, that included platforms, processing services on the issuing side of the business. So we worked with really large financial institutions. Uh, we also worked with smaller financial institutions to provide services that they may not otherwise build on their own. Uh, so I did that, really enjoyed it for uh, a few years. And during that time, I got my master's degree uh, at the Daniels College of Business at the University of Denver. Um, a very busy time in my life. We had our, our first child, Rachel. She was itty bitty, working full time, doing grad school full time. Uh, to keep my sanity, uh, I marathoned. 
uh, during that time. Uh, did a <laughs> lot of running. Um, you, I can't really pull that off the same way anymore at the age I'm at today. But uh, it uh, it was it was really great and um, had a had a lot of learning at Visa and um, a lot of winning practice and being exposed to some of the best thinking from large financial institutions and large large payments companies, which was really worthwhile. And um, First Horizon asked me to come back. Uh, and uh, part of that was the uh, the moment they were at in their um, their life cycle. I had just finished my master's degree. They asked me to come in and lead their finance accounting organization. And mm-hmm. so I kind of built to this point where that was a very natural next step for me uh, based upon my career experience and also education. And so I went back, rejoined them. We worked on platform conversions. This was when SOX uh, implementation was a thing. Uh, and then uh, we went through an exercise uh, to sell that payments business to uh, the payments uh, or acquiring group of U.S. Bank, which at the time was known as Nova, now known as Elevon. And mm-hmm. so that uh, caused us to move uh, from Denver to Atlanta, Georgia in 2006. Uh, had a lot of great experiences that put me into more of a multinational role where I spent a lot of time uh, with colleagues uh, throughout Europe, uh, spent a lot of time with colleagues throughout uh, the Americas, and uh, learned a lot more on the business side, on commercial side, corporate development, partnerships, uh, had great leaders and mentors um, at uh, Elevon. I uh, don't have enough time to name them all, Uh, but uh, that was um, a wonderful experience. I was with Elevon from 2006 uh, in Atlanta until about 2017 when uh, I joined WorldPay Group out of London. Uh, They asked me to to join the firm and help them build uh, a practice around payment brands, networks, uh, expansion and growth uh, globally for the company. Uh, at the time, uh, WorldPay Group was uh, the largest, and we still are, by the way, at FIS and the Merchant Group, uh, the largest e-commerce provider, the largest acquirer in the world. And um, that was uh, really important work, and, and it was a, a moment where I started truly understanding that any market that you serve is a home market. And so this is something that I think is quite important for as you come out of school and enter your career. If you're working in Japan, if you're working with customers in Japan, employees in Japan, colleagues, communities in Japan, that's home. Uh, And so I think that that's something that I've been able to appreciate our team Uh, today. If you look at kind of from that moment joining WorldPay Group, we uh, were acquired by Vantive and became WorldPay Inc. in 2018. In 2019, FIS bought WorldPay uh, Inc. And uh, now the WorldPay business is the merchant line of business uh, within FIS. And uh, my responsibility now um, spans our partners uh, on behalf of FIS. And uh, we're right now beginning to work uh, on on plans to to strengthen that uh, even more for merchant. Um, but that's probably Tommy a story for another day. Uh, the last thing I'd probably share is uh, our team is a global team. Uh, we have uh, team members in uh, Japan, Singapore, India, United Kingdom, Argentina, and the U.S. And so I think that that's a really important point. Is um, the the boundaries that we historically thought about in business, and especially in fintech, it doesn't exist. Uh, it's, a, it's a global marketplace. Um, companies think about things differently than they did 10 or 20 years ago. And so we want our team to represent uh, a great amount of diverse background thought experiences and to represent um, 
the communities that we live in and the markets that we serve. And so, uh, Tommy, I'll leave it at that. That's great. Thanks for all that overview, Oliver. And I think, too, I mean, Oliver, you you in many ways, I think, just personify like the story of how Georgia, the state of Georgia, is at the center in many ways of some meaningful parts of the fintech ecosystem. I mean, you're. Your beginnings in Columbus, which, of course, is still a kind of a very obviously key kind of thriving fintech payments hub with thesis, of course, is still there now part of global payments. Sonobus is now the biggest bank in Georgia. Um, and, you know, Incom's got material operations down there. NCR does. Um on to, um, you know, of course, your work today with um, with FIS um, through the various acquisitions, WorldPay, and then, of course, Elevon and their huge uh, work and presence that continues here in, uh, in Georgia. It's just remarkable. We've had, you know, a lot of these shows, a lot of these guests and um, not, you know, frequently folks are kind of getting into the fintech sort of lane later in their careers or kind of mid-career as they're kind of moving through towards their executive ranks, um, I'd say more often than not. And they've worked in a lot of different uh, markets. I mean, I know you've worked in other markets outside of Georgia, and you've got a lot going on, obviously, all over the world now. But um, that's cool. That's a, that's a, it's a great, great story. Um, Astrid, tell us about you for a sec before we get into our conversation. Yes, thank you. Um, Wow, a lot of parts of that story resonated with me, Oliver, so thank you for sharing that. Uh, my name is Astrid Cuerra Benitez. I am a junior at Kennesaw State University, currently majoring in finance. And like Tommy mentioned, thinking about uh, minoring in fintech, but we'll see how that goes. Um, I kind of fell into the space by accident. I, I needed an elective to fill and Foundations of FinTech was there and I said, yeah, why not? And uh, I gotta say like, probably the beginning part of the semester, I knew this was this was the space that I wanted to be into because kind of like what Oliver touched on, you know, the intersection of financial services and technology and, and how can those two kind of work together to keep growing the space. I mean, Atlanta's already the transaction alley, but, you know, get us to even better place in the future. So I, I definitely see myself uh, continuing on the path and hopefully doing the FinTech minor, but I'll get back to you guys on that. I love it. Well, Astrid, there's one reason I love talking with you because you, your, your story there is exactly what we were trying to accomplish with the Georgia FinTech Academy. Because we, I mean, people like me, people like Oliver, there's a bunch of us that like love this industry. It's super passionate about it, found it to be very fulfilling intellectually, personally, et cetera. And um, we want to get more students as excited as we are uh, about this. So uh, yeah. I love that uh, we may have hooked you here. Uh, yeah. Yeah, for, for anybody listening, you know, I think you, you don't know until you know, right? Like there's so many industries that as a college student, you're kind of navigating, you know, where the heck am I going to be when I graduate? What am I going to do with this major? And um, sometimes you kind of fall into a space by accident where you're like, oh, I had no idea that fintech was even, you know, a possibility for me. But, you know, now that you know, then you're able to kind of pursue that passion. So always be open to things, even if even if it's not in your in your mindset right now, I would say. Absolutely. And one of the things, Astrid, that I love about what you just said is, and I see this with, with fintech, with financial technology, 
is just from like my my daughter's experience, who's 23 now, um, when we talk about investments or things that excite her, a lot of it is values based and things that she personally cares about. And so one of the things I love about financial technology is you can you can take this and you can apply it in a lot of different ways. Um, we're, for example, at FIS doing a lot of work right now on how we bring to life ESG in the context of what we do as a company. And so when you think about conviction, when you think about the, uh, the things that are motivating to you as a person, uh, there are there are ways to 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 apply that in the fintech environment. We see this with geo expansion, uh, making the world a little bit smaller, um, helping economies uh, grow, uh, creating more inclusive uh, economies and communities. So so when we do the work that we do. Um, we're knocking down a lot of barriers. Uh, we also have in our venture and accelerator uh, programs, uh, a lot of focus at FIS uh, around investing in um, women-led startups, uh, investing in BIPOC startups, and then seeing them through. And so we don't invest just to, to invest in, and have a passive position, but rather see them come to life and have great commercial success. And so that's something that I would say for you and for any of our listeners that are looking at this, you can do that in more of a technical role. You can do that in a product role. Uh, you can do that in a business role. Uh, you can do that in a financial role. Um, and then, of course, some roles actually bring all of that together. Um, so it's uh, it's something that I wanted to flag because you hit on some of the hallmarks of that. Mm. Oliver, that also reminds me that Astrid tomorrow will be presenting to a few of your FIS colleagues um, her project that she's been working on. Um, it's Was there a problem statement, financial inclusion? on your course i'm just trying uh, for to remember mine, which ones. yes um you know how can we make um digital payments more more accessible yeah to so this of- is um oliver this was um leah middlebrook's team yeah that's excellent. been engaging with the students this semester uh gracie leah and then gracie hamby from from leah's team they've been they framed up a problem statement and we had i think roughly a hundred students in your fintech foundations course doing so we break them up into project teams so astrid's um team was one of the selected finalists so they'll be presenting tomorrow on this financial inclusion problem statement can i get invited to that yeah absolutely you can (laughs) uh no more pressure um so but but oliver strategic partnerships what are we tell us what about that? that? What what is that? What is yeah. that? You know, what is it you know you're doing day in, day out? You know, help us understand this area of the business that you're Yeah, happy with. to. And so a couple things, if you unpack the words, we all hear strategy or strategic um and conversations in the context of business all the time. Partner partnerships, we're partnering with. You hear that all the time, and and sometimes it's it's used in a more generic way. So if a if a customer buys uh, a collection of products, platforms, services, you may see in the market companies call that company A is partnering with company B. 
Uh, and so there's that's perhaps more for when you get into the the business environment. That's more of a sales motion, uh, or you choose to consume a uh, or provision a particular service. Uh, you see kind of the next hop of that, the next step that is more of kind of like a procurement or a vendor uh, experience. So we may use one of the big tech companies out of uh, the northwestern United States. We may use their cloud service. Uh, as an example, in our technology, uh, in our infrastructure, and so we're consuming service from them. And so that's kind of a maybe that next step, buy from, sell to. And so what what we challenged ourselves to do at FIS is think bigger about that. Uh, we've had, uh, very fortunately so, um, components or, or areas in our, our group, whether it's in our lines of business or functions where we were thinking bigger on buy build partner choices. So instead of um, deploying capital to do something uh, that maybe we haven't done before, and as a, a, a nice complement or an adjacency to our business, should we partner with a company where they have a winning practice? Uh, we we do that. And of course, um, by that might be something where we want to uh, look at strategic M&A to, to accelerate our work, but but honing in on partnering, partnering has that play and you'll see that like in our product organization, they do a lot of work around product partners. And so so that's quite important. Now here's, here's the piece is when you look at a company that may be a customer, you look at a company that may be a service provider to us, like in our infrastructure and technology, you look at a, a company that may also not just be the first two that I just highlighted, but also um, potentially uh, a company that helps us with go-to-market or distribution, all of a sudden you need to think about them different. Uh, you need to think about them more broadly. And so we found that when we started the practice, Tommy, we were interacting with these companies uh, in kind of in pockets and in silos. And we, we didn't develop what in our view was a, a much broader, more ambitious joint business plan. Mm -hmm. And so what's really exciting about that is if you look at some of the companies that we work with, and I'll give you with strategic partnerships, our kind of our guiding star was we we wanted, and this is our this is, remains our intent for FIS to be the preferred destination for fintech partnerships worldwide. Simply put. Mm -hmm. And what we mean by that is, is we want to be able to uh, build and create through a diverse set of methods or dimensions or pillars, uh, relationships that have a lot of depth, have a lot of breadth, have a lot of durability. And as uh, our, our partner grows, we grow. As we grow, they grow. And we better serve potentially industries. We better serve communities. We better serve um, specific use cases in the market that are important, um, whether it's in our capital markets business or banking business or payments business or merchant business. And with partnerships, there's also this, this important factor on time horizon. Um, Astrid, you may have heard um, in your studies around horizons. Um, sometimes they get used a little bit differently, but often you'll hear horizons one, two, and three. And horizon one's kind of here and now. It's things that are happening in the business, probably plans you have this year going into next year. Uh, horizon two is a little bit more kind of in the, it's not greenfield innovation, but it's just more of the entrepreneurial and it's, it's markets uh, that are developing um, business models, capabilities that are developing. And they're, they're I, I wouldn't say completely nascent, but they're earlier 
stage. And then Horizon 3 is looking kind of beyond three years, some say even beyond five years, depending upon whom you're talking to. And that's where you're looking at what will the markets need beyond a normal, uh, a typical long-range plan, where normally long-range plans and companies go from zero to three or zero to five years. And so with our group, Tommy, Strategic Partnerships, we've been asked to look at building bold, ambitious joint business plans with companies that can look across a variety of uh, dimensions. So it could be buy from, sell to, it could be co-innovation, uh, co-development, it could be partnering instead of building on our own certain capabilities. Uh, mm -hmm. It could be supporting things, and you've seen this even with the Georgia FinTech Academy. There are a lot of companies that are uh, involved in the Georgia FinTech Academy uh, that we're very, very close to at FIS, and we talk about the Georgia FinTech Academy in uh, most conversations that we have, and, and it's a shared value system. And I think that that's another thing, Astrid, that I would point out. I was in a conversation uh, late last year as an example with Microsoft. And one of the things that was the most exciting in the conversation, so they've just built a very large campus in, in Atlanta, is the shared value systems that we have, the things that we want to do to create the next generation of experts and leaders, the things that we want to do, like the work that you're going to do around inclusion and, and the projects that you're working on and how you use fintech for good. Um, so within our group, uh, Tommy, we are we're trying to bring that to life. And then I would I would I would say that to create some orientation around that. We do that in a couple different segments, just high level segments. So we're looking at emerging fintech. So these are earlier stage companies that uh, connect into our strategic priorities as a firm. Uh, you'll also find that this is an area where we try to work with our venture group and our accelerator group uh, to take companies that have winning propositions or can have winning propositions and, and help them fill unmet or undermet needs that our customers, whether they're financial institutions or enterprises or even small business have. Uh, a second segment that we have are enterprise partners. This is where we work with solution integrators and professional services and consulting. Uh, those will be firms like ENY or PwC or McKinsey or Deloitte, just to name a couple. Definitely not an exhaustive list. You'll see data-driven uh, partners in that group. Uh, some of the companies are based here in Atlanta. Uh, you'll see some core technology uh, uh, and companies that are the, the leaders in their sector, like CRM in that group. Uh, our third area is money, movement, and payments. Um, so uh, a lot of things that are near and dear to fintech um, that we're familiar with, how money moves, how payments happen is in our third pillar. Uh, and then our fourth pillar, it's growth and big tech. So with some of the companies that are driving um, kind of the, the best innovations and the biggest thinking and have the greatest scope and scale, uh, how do we work with them in different types of ways beyond just the buy from, sell to, beyond just the customer service provider relationship? And so uh, our team is highly matrixed, as you can expect uh, in right. FIS, because we have to work across lines of business. We have to work across um, functions, and we have to think both near-term and longer range. Um, so that's a little bit about us. And um, and again, our, our guiding star is when you do these things, we want them to be durable. We want them to create value for our ecosystem and for our partner's ecosystem. And, and um, as we mature and grow that, it starts creating new possibilities because we're finding these areas in between the companies that are these exciting adjacencies that we can uh, develop and build and even create new uh, offerings and business models from. 
Yeah, that was really good. Because see, when I think of strategic partnership, my my first thought is like (laughs) such a millennial thing. But um, the Starbucks inside of a Target or like the McDonald's inside of the Walmarts back then. So like what how that how that look in the fintech space? Like what would be an example that that's a great example. I love that. That is such (laughs) a it's such a keep that one. Because that is such a great way. Have you heard the phrase embedded finance? Embedded finance, no. Okay. Um, So this is something that you'll want to research. And for those of you listening on the podcast today, embedded finance, if you look at experiences, um, there, there are there's a list of them that we could talk about. You could look at what happened a few years ago with Ant Financial and Alipay uh, in China and then throughout APAC. Uh, you could look at uh, what's happening with additional services and gig economy um, companies. Uh, embedded finance, you can look at where companies like ourselves, where we're taking banking platforms, uh, core banking platforms, payment capabilities, and providing it to enterprises. Um, so they can offer it to their customers to consume in different kinds of ways. And so there's increasingly a lot of that taking place. And there's, uh, if you look at PayPal, they've done some things to expand their consumer offerings uh, where they consume services from other companies in order to enable that or vice versa. Uh, and, and so I think that that's one of the things that's quite exciting about about fintech is you're going to see, um, you may have heard banking as a service or reg tech as a service or insurance as a service. Those are different embedded use cases. So that's kind of like the Starbucks inside the Target. Um, but it's uh, it's providing platforms or capability inside an enterprise, inside a financial institution to be able to do a greater set of things. And and so uh, when I look at, for example, our financial institution, or our banking line of business, uh, we have a focused expertise around core banking platforms and around the digital experience for consumers and businesses, how they interact and engage, whether it's mobile or e-com or in-app kind of uh, with with uh, the financial institution, but some financial institutions are in a kind of a size or a profile where they don't necessarily have the the desire to build their own insurance practice, but they may want to offer it to their customers. So now you can bring that in. Uh, they may not want to or be in a position to build their own blockchain-based decentralized finance bolt-on to their core banking, but they may want to offer that if they're beginning to serve kind of these next-gen companies as banking customers, and they're saying, well, can I do stable coins? Can I mint coins? Can What's your plan for CBDC? And, and so that is providing additional services so the bank doesn't necessarily have to build it or in the cases of enterprises, they don't necessarily have to build it. Uh, we're kind of the, um, the the engine inside, so to speak. And so your your analogy there is an excellent one. Albert, um, the like, can you speak at all around like how all these innovative, remarkable partnerships that you and the team are um, creating? drive value to stakeholders or drive value to FIS? I mean, I, I think I get it at a basic level. It's either you framed up some things like business development, you know, strategic, but then there's these kind of one plus one equals eight kind right. of relationships. Right. I know that you're, you're framing too. Um, 
any kind of thoughts there or how to help us think about how this um all this all these efforts are, are kind of perceived by the stakeholders yeah happy to so let me let me pick two or three and i'll try to work through them quickly uh one example is when you look at our capabilities um especially like in the banking group or capital markets group uh you have large institutions that are trying to make step change evolution or modernization happen in their business so so banks that are adopting a new core banking platform that's an exceeding that's a big deal and those yeah. decisions are are happening at the board level and the executive committee level and then once there's a decision made to embark upon that they have to they have to get advice on well how should i and what should i select and how should i think about this work uh, and then once they make a selection then how do you do it how do you how do you bring it to life and so within our solution integrator and professional services and consulting uh, partner practice as an example how do we work with those firms to better equip their practitioners mm -hmm. so when they're in the moments of truth with CISOs, cios ceos coos at a financial institution talking about we we understand you want to move to this new technology. You want to have cloud-based capability for your core platform. You want it to be modern so you have a, a better mobile experience, in-app experience, um, e-com experience for your consumers. You have more payment optionality capability. You have the, the framing to provide as-a-service offerings. Well, they got to go about that. And so what we are working with those types of companies to do is equip their practitioners through training and accreditation and access to sandboxes so they can test and learn and, and begin to uh, kind of tinker with capabilities. And they can look at, well, how do you bring this to life for a financial institution in a particular country in Latin America or in Asia Pacific, or maybe not a, um, a small bank, but an ex a very, very, very big one. Um, that has multinational interests. And so we provide that. And so what that does is it gives the customer, and this is, by the way, the partner and ourself in this case, both see that financial institution as a customer. And how do we create the circumstances where together we can better serve them and we can help them accelerate adoption and modernization. We can help them de-risk and create a less expensive journey to that desired state. Um, and we can help them look at things, and this is something you'll hear a lot from FIS, how do we look at it more from more than just a, a product or a platform point of view, but are we solving the entire customer journey need that they have? And so by having that kind of partnership relationship, we can have open conversations on how we bring that to life for those customers. Uh, you're going to see the same happening. Uh, I'll give you two other very quick examples, Tommy. Uh, we're working right now with another company that is a market leader and one aspect of technology and i can't share uh too much about it beyond just saying they're they're pretty well known actually very well known and they specialize in crm and we're looking at how we take their capability and bring it together and harmonize it with ours so it just works together out of the box yeah great customer yeah. experience it's good for them it's good for us uh, most importantly it helps our shared customers it's a, that's a big big deal uh the third example i would share is we're working with um, several large um, cloud companies on how we bring together the best of the two companies 
And so if you if you look at what we do at FIS, um, we consider not just our, our, our banking, capital markets, merchant and payments capabilities and strengths. We also look at what we do with uh, risk, info, information security, compliance and, and regulatory uh, managing uh, sophisticated, even complicated regulatory environments. We have focused expertise in that. And so when you look at customers whether they're enterprises and especially financial institutions that are around the world, they have to do some of those same things. And so can we take our technology, our capability, and collaborate with cloud computing companies to yeah. just have it there so it works? And then all of a sudden you take this this big, what sometimes feels like a scary, really hard thing to do. And it might even cause you not to go, not to, go to that next country because it's like, gosh, I gotta get these first ones done right first. We might help them accelerate growth in their business because they have more confidence because they know that that's being taken care of uh, by market leaders. Yeah, your point on the I, I, your point on the regulatory compliance. I hadn't even thought about that, but I mean, holy cow! I mean, you all are kind of best in class in understanding it, not just at a USA level, but for Canada, for lat, different Latin American countries, Asia Pac. And if you could combine that or help give that uh, let that capability part of what a value add for a cloud provider i mean that kind of massive game changer um well this uh, as these conversations go they go too fast for me i would prefer we could talk for like three hours um but we were to that point of the show where we talk about news fintech news that's caught your attention in the last week in the last week astrid I know you're yes. on top of the news. What, I will, uh, what do you, I will what take do you it. think? Uh, one of the things that really like stood out to me was uh, Circle, which is a, a cryptocurrency firm. It's it's getting slowly closer to now becoming a bank, right? And and so, um, of course, the, the backing with uh, BlackRock and Fidelity. And, you know, what does that mean for the future and, and potentially others that are coming in that are cryptocurrency firm based and um, looking to also become banks. And, and then also the discussion behind, uh, you know, central uh, digital currency, central bank yeah. digital currencies as well. So let's take get your take on that, Oliver, with all your expansive knowledge. <laughs> yeah. And, and so it's interesting. We actually had uh, our experts and thought leaders at uh, the Bitcoin conference in Miami, Florida last week, and uh, a large uh, amount of them are in Paris uh, this week uh, talking about these these very things. And uh, one of the things that is is really distinctive about FIS, we've been working with certain crypto asset cryptocurrency firms for over eight years now. So in, in some avenues and in, in, in some areas, this is it's, it's, it's quite new. It's nascent. And uh, we've we've been working on this as a, uh, a practice and a focus and a strategic vertical that we want to see grow and come to life and flourish for a long time now. And so I would say that there, there are a few different dimensions. We see this as a very important growing arena in our capital markets business, as you would expect. Uh, there's the, the whole notion around um, buy, hold, sell 
crypto assets, crypto securities. Uh, there's this whole notion around uh, minting stable coins. Um, you're you're probably seeing a lot of that. There are projects that certain companies uh, were working on, and um, some more successful than others uh, in that regard. I think. Um, a lot of it is, is can you do it? Not just can you do it, but can you do it durably? Can you do it responsibly? When you see the biggest and the best uh, firms in the space and around the space, uh, they're actually trying to help drive the agenda. Uh, like we we're talking, Tommy, a few moments ago around regulation and compliance and, and topics like that. They want to make sure that it's done the right way because they understand that that gives continuity. Uh, and then having that kind of certainty promotes growth and sustained growth and customer confidence. And so those are all really important things. So when I look at what Circle is is doing and you, you kind of see um, in that news, uh, Astrid, the the firms that are investing in them, backing them. Uh, these are well-established, well-known firms that that are taking uh, positions and, and what they're doing. Uh, I think that that's a really important indicator on this becoming a much more, uh, I don't want to say mainstream, but moving, <laughs> that's where it's going, uh, where I think uh, companies are beginning to understand it a bit better uh, or trying to. Uh, at FIS, we've we've tried to help be a, a lighthouse in that respect, uh, mm -hmm. working with different stakeholders, different constituents on on supporting it. We, we want to see it grow. We want to see it flourish. We're really happy about what Circle's doing. And I think it's like your analogy with Starbucks and Target. Uh, if you look at different industry use cases or even ones that are near and closer to you, you see charter um, activities happening like the SoFi's of the world. Um, you see it in other payment companies or even big multinational retailers that are looking at special use charters to deal with certain types of things. So to us, it's um, it's we're happy to see it. Um, we are here to support it. We have been. Uh, we're excited not just about um, the, the the crypto exchanges and helping them be successful and, and consumers uh, using those and, and, and flourishing with that kind of capability, but uh, also stablecoin work. Uh, we're doing a lot around that. We're doing a lot of innovation work uh, preparing for the future of CBDCs, central bank digital currencies. Obviously, the point that you make there, we could talk for an hour or more just on the topic of CBDCs. That's our next that's our next podcast we're going to do. Yeah, so what I would say is for the the listeners and Astrid for you too, um, there's some really good work if you look at uh, BIS, the Bank of International Settlements. You can mm -hmm. go and, and read some some pieces from there. You can go and look at some of the work like the Bank of England is doing. Um, you can look at some of like the executive orders that have come out uh, from the White House and positioning that uh, the Fed is taking on the topic. Uh, you can look at uh, countries that are trying to move the ball forward, like Singapore. Um, central bank digital currencies, I think what happens is the central banks, the regulators for, the, for money uh, in countries around the world, understand that this is something they have to tackle. Uh, it's not, a, it's not a, a quick thing, but it's something that they have to have a really good house view on, a really good position on. And especially as you look at um, how money is going to have to move to support trade around the world. Uh, if you are a, a sovereign entity and you work with five or six different countries at scale uh, and they're supporting a vibrant in the future, and this is probably down the road a couple of years, uh, a vibrant uh, CBDC capability and you're not there, is that problematic? Um, so those are those are things to think through. But I also believe if you look at like what Parliament was saying about CBDCs a couple months ago, um, 
they had a little bit of, is, is it a solution looking uh, for a problem? Mm -hmm. um, I think we'll see that one play out, uh, but uh, the idea of having transparency, and I think for countries and for the, the, the regulators of money, um, them being able to see it transparently and being able to regulate it, um, and also admittedly being able to tax it, um, is, uh, is important for them. So I think that uh, this is an area that's just gonna continue to grow. Well, I'm going to unfortunately draw us to a close. Um, Oliver, I cannot thank you enough for sharing your time and thoughts and expertise with us um, in this podcast and just for being a great partner for the Fintech Academy over the years. And also, of course, thanks to FIS. Um, we would not be here without FIS. There's no doubt about it. Uh, and Astrid, I... Um, could not be more excited about your future in fintech um, and look forward to spending more time together and, and get to know you even better. Absolutely. 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 Thank yeah. you. The Georgia Fintech Academy podcasts are available on iTunes and Spotify. To obtain additional information about the Georgia Fintech Academy, please visit our website at georgiafintechacademy.org.